Welcome back. It's Survivor time again. We have two episodes for you this week. We have the full preview with me and Ty breaking down the cast and everything. And longtime listeners obviously will know that if it were up to me, we'd just do big picture, <laughs> like thousand yard conversations about the show every single week because uh, that has been... Uh, more interesting than the show at times over the last few years to just talk about the status of it and how it still exists. But uh, we don't want to always be too negative uh, because that that seems to be the tendency. <laughs> it's just me being like, you know what? I, don't, I remember. I feel like this show used to be good, but I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that today I might have found someone more negative than me to make me sound more positive. <laughs> Uh, to break to break to uh, break down the upcoming season with me and 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 where the show's at and uh, we'll we'll get a, a sense of what it means for Survivor to almost be forty. Well, we'll get into it all, but I guess I should first introduce my guest. I don't even remember if I introduced myself. I'm Taylor Gaines. This is on the island, and we're back for another season. And with me today, I have the proprietor of RealityBlurred.com and longtime TV writer. Reality Blurred's owner, proprietor, editor, writer, right? Everything? You just cover it all? Exactly. Andy Dennert, how are you? I'm great, Taylor. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for, uh, thank you for coming on. I'm excited to have someone on who uh, covers reality TV even more deeply than, uh, than we do, because we just sit and talk about one show once a week, you know? So I'm um, looking forward to hearing your perspective. I do know, like, I, I've had this experience where... Uh, when I was in high school, early college, I was a, I, I was hoping to be a, a sports writer, a sports journalist, and uh, I kind of got to this point where I felt like the stories were the same over and over again, and it was kind of, uh, you know, oh, they came back and won, or the uh, the the favorite lost, or or whatever. And what became more interesting to me was the personal stories of of what made people into the athletes they were and stuff like that like the game itself ceased to be that interesting like i guess what i'm at what i'm asking is uh when you've covered reality tv for a while does it start to feel like a pattern like how do you keep it fresh and and interesting i think the shows and the content and the cast members and producers have done a great job of keeping that interesting for me just by offering new things to talk about. And sometimes those things are positive and great and fun and sell things to celebrate. Um, Other times they are points of contention or things that make me angry or that I want to be better than they are or want to improve. So it feels like there's never a lack of anything to talk about. And even as reality TV has sort of grown and changed and shifted and like we went through that period of everyone trying to copy Duck Dynasty with their own scripted ish uh sitcoms and thankfully that ended and then now we're in this sort of phase of docu-series and kind of trying to be like artsy and and i think which is i think a good thing in many ways and and in other ways it's also problematic so yeah tons Mm -hmm. of stuff to talk about always and it's it's always interesting at least for me so uh, i haven't gotten bored yet having written about reality tv since 1999 or so yeah and 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 tell me and the listeners just about how you got into it and what you've, how your career has evolved over the years covering it. Yeah. So I started writing recaps of the real world Hawaii back in 1999 
And it started with an internship I did, and I just talked about the real world all day long and at a, at a web magazine. And one of my editors is like, you talk about this all the time. Why don't you just write about it? And it's funny that it hadn't actually occurred to me at that point. Um, this was like early, pre-sort of recap era even. So we were just kind of trying new things. So that went really well. And then a new editor came in, and he and I didn't get along very well, and he fired me, essentially. So I started my own site just to kind of continue that, like, I guess, discussion. And I, although I wasn't exactly doing recaps at first, um, I was mostly interested in sort of tracking all the reality TV that was suddenly coming around. That was the summer of 2000 when we had Making the Band. Um, I don't know if you remember that awesome show, um, <laughs> which was like the first network reality series. And then that was followed by Survivor and then Big Brother. And then obviously the dam broke at that point. And here we are 18 years later. I was only seven in 2000, so I don't I don't remember it that well. But <laughs> okay, I'm not talking. I'm not talking to anyone. I'm just kidding. Yes, it's, it's back then. I was in my early 20s or so, um, so it certainly felt like my entire adult life has been full of reality TV. But then so was my teenage years of watching the real world throughout the night. Also, yeah, there you go. So, and and I guess not to get too inside baseball, but you you, you were saying like that was even before recaps were a thing and I, I guess we're past recaps now right where like people aren't as interested in tell me exactly what happened on the show last night i think so and i think that's in part because what's happening on the show is happening live on twitter and perhaps right. elsewhere um and also there are just so many recaps there are still recaps but i think the kind of corporatization of it drained some of the interest out of it so you know when certain websites and, and publications get advanced copies and then they can write their recaps a week or several days in advance. And so the second the show ends, they post a 40 page recap, like what is there to add to that? And that's something I always kind of, I think over these 18 years of doing this job is thinking about like, what am I doing that adds something to the conversation instead of just duplicating what other people are doing. And um, hopefully I'm doing that in with more than just being, you know, angry and annoyed sometimes oh well I, I could definitely talk journalism and angles and stuff all day but i guess we'll have to get into survivor for the people um yes uh so obviously you've been watching since the beginning like ha how has your relationship with survivor evolved over the years like is it is it in your personal mount rushmore and even currently is it still in like your top pantheon of shows or ha just how do you uh kind of netted out yeah i think you know when people ask me uh, what's your favorite reality show which is one of those questions that's so hard to answer because my brain is just overflowing with them and there's so many <laughs> different kinds and so many different yeah, genres like, what, and when you what kind? sub genres yeah but I, I think i always come back to survivor as the answer because it's the one show that i've watched every single episode of for 18 years nonstop, and as any survivor fan knows like the show has sort of ebbed and flowed in that like it sort of had these peaks and troughs and i think we're in a trough right about now i feel like everyone's kind of on the same page there um but even when it's in those troughs there's still something to talk about it's still interesting enough to keep watching week to week and the other thing survivor does still i think is just absolutely is better than any other show in terms of production values and um the editing i think we can definitely have conversations about whether the way the narratives are unfolding and the way characters are being presented is 
the best way or what we're hoping the show will be doing. Um, but I think in terms of like technical prowess, it still just excels so much beyond, you know, just, just tune into big brother, which I realize is a completely different animal because it's live and <laughs> in a soundstage, but it just look it looks like it's being, you know, it's like someone filming something on a, a Polaroid and like flipping through Polaroids, like versus Survivor, you know, being a, a movie on a big screen. Um, that's just the difference in terms of the way it looks and feels to me. Yeah. And to, to my memory, and you can correct me, maybe I, Survivor was the first reality show that was HD, right? And it was like, oh, we all the episodes are going to be high def and now when you flip over to Amazing Race, it's going to look terrible because Survivor looks amazing. Yeah, so I, and I think it was um, Gabon that was the first season. Um, and then it took Amazing Race a couple of years after that to switch over, um, in part because their equipment has to be handheld and carried around and yeah. is more expensive. So I understand why they weren't that willing to just make that, that leap really quickly. Gabon would be what number? Uh, I think 17. Yeah, I just like my memory of them is so bad because it's just runs through my childhood basically. So like I don't I barely remember which <laughs> one's which. But uh I guess as we as we narrow in a little bit, the 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 last season was Ghost Island. And just overall before we kind of uh I, I wanted to talk to Andy specifically about a piece that he wrote about the status of Survivor and who who the show is for, <laughs> which is always a, a fun question for any any piece of entertainment in some ways but uh like before we get into that what was what were your thoughts overall on the most recent season which um spoiler alert ended with uh former lawyer and and i guess current furniture builder or maybe not anymore wendell holland (laughs) taking home the million dollars uh yeah just what were your thoughts on ghost island as a whole i mean i think he was sort of uh solid likable great i guess on some level winner um who i was glad to see win in a season that i've almost completely forgotten (laughs) already and it just if you know if it felt the editing in particular as we were sort of touching on before just felt so odd like for me especially in the early half i know some people liked the the beginning more than i did but just like it just felt like the focus on certain people and ignoring other people and yet, like, we're just sort of getting one note about those people over and over again. And then with this, like, completely wildly inconsistent Ghost Island twist that sort of yeah, never yeah. delivered much of anything and wasn't the love letter to fandom that it seemed like it could be. It just, you know, felt like um, a lot of trying and just kind of failing to even get going. Yeah, I think... For the record, I was one of those people who liked the first few episodes, I think, because I'm trying to remember the specifics because it was, in retrospect, a fairly forgettable season for the most part. Minus maybe was it it was either the merge episode or the episode before that, like the Chris versus Dom episode was was definitely entertaining television, if if not, if if nothing else. Right. And I remember liking the first few episodes just because it felt like people were playing hard and the uh last couple seasons had been plagued a little bit with a lot of like how the hell is ben still in like they should all be (laughs) going after him and like i felt like in the beginning of ghost island at least people were just going after whoever they thought were threats which made it for made for entertaining television and uh like you said you could quibble over different stuff but uh 
but yeah, I think in my memory now, it's like, I remember a couple moments of like Chris being funny and Wendell and Dom being kind of interesting and, and not much else. Yeah. And I think, you know, that even that conflict that you mentioned, it certainly was a great episode. And a lot of people, when I was sort of being critical of those early episodes were like, oh, but there's this epic showdown. And it's, it just, that felt so forced to me. And it was like, like, let's just focus. It just felt like they weren't letting this unfold organically, but just really time trying to ram home, pay attention to this person and this person who don't like each other. And then it's sort of like, yeah, when the balloon pops, it's spectacular, but then it pops and it's gone. And now what do we have? And we didn't have anything (laughs) else with any other characters or any other stuff to hold on to. And it just, yeah, it was disappointing to me, especially. And I think, you know, to get big picture here for a second, I do, I am critical of Survivor. I have been at various points throughout its life, um, sometimes a lot more than other times. And I've also praised it a lot. And I argued strongly that Jeff Probst should win that first Emmy um, for a reality show host because I think he was so spectacular and amazing. But I know this show has set a very high bar for itself. And when it doesn't reach that bar, it disappoints me. And therefore, I try to talk about why that is and um, report on sort of the things that have changed and how I think it could get back up to that level or at least like, you know, try to go to a different level or a different place if it's not going to do the same thing again. So two quick notes and then we'll get into that. I I, I think um, it cannot be said enough that Ghost Island was just a a flop (laughs) and was essentially pointless. And like we we had a couple people on last season who were kind of like joking with us about like, what is the point of sending someone there and have it just be like, no game for you? (laughs) Like, why are we even why are we doing that? And uh, my my other thing, like in in a big picture sense, over the last few seasons particularly, is I feel that what plagues the show the most is if it had a and if if it had an exciting ending, then people might have that in their collective memories and and kind of be like, oh, that was kind of a good season. Remember how good the last few episodes were and the the final vote and right. everything. But it's like it's been telegraphed who's going to win in a way that just seems baffling to me like to the point where i think a couple seasons ago we used to watch each episode twice before coming on the podcast and then we eventually just stopped doing that because it was like it just was it made it even more too obvious who was gonna win like like halfway through the season and it uh, that is something i find particularly frustrating but uh i don't know if that's like a hand-holding thing because people are leading busy lives and they just tune into survivor once a week or and, and maybe this will help segue into what we're going to talk about or because it like maybe it has something to do with them just wanting to like appeal to you in a very specific way of like oh don't you love ben aren't aren't we all rooting for ben right yeah i think it is that you know jeff probst as showrunner now i think is very into the idea of turning survivor into stories like he often refers now to the contestants themselves as storytellers, which to me indicates a profound shift in the way he thinks about the show. And so if he's going to clue into these people as telling their own stories and guiding us along, which of course on some level has been true since the beginning, but I think it just causes there to be weight in all of the wrong places. 
especially for those of us who've watched so long and have gotten used to maybe one way of presenting the show. And now we're getting this totally like um, lopsided version. And and my thing too is like you're not going to pick up new viewers at this point in in mass. Like the people that are watching are the people that have been watching. So it's kind of weird to all of a sudden kind of shift like that. But yeah, I, let's let's get into what to what you wrote about because I think we're we're kind of skirting around it at this point. Um, I'll let you maybe give a synopsis version if you want to, but but I'll, I'll just say like the headline is uh, Jeff Probst no longer makes Survivor for fans. Instead, he makes it for these people. So, yeah, it's actually something that um, Jeff Probst said in an interview with Dalton Ross at Entertainment Weekly early in the summer. And I I think I might have read the interview or maybe I didn't get to that page. I just I missed it at this time. And I was looking for something else and I stumbled across this and I was just like, wow, like that is. And then I kind of Googled to see if anyone else had discussed this and I didn't see any real discussion of it. And I thought it was a pretty kind of profound. If if you want me to to read it yeah do you please yeah go for it he said this is a revelation he had while producing david versus goliath i believe is what he right says. which so yeah the, the season that filmed in march right so the, the next the upcoming season like like this week yes so his quote is i had a really great experiment this summer during filming on season 37 i asked myself the question why do we make this show and i was surprised with the answer because i thought we made it for the audience but as i continued to write i realized no, we make it for the 20 people who play. We put all of our time and energy. We leave our families, which gets harder every single season. We endure our own cyclones and miserable boat rides and long days in the jungle so that we can give these 20 people an adventure that may change the rest of their life. And it was really eye-opening to me. And the byproduct is if you're not playing, you can watch it at home for the entertainment value or the inspiration to get up off the couch and come play it next season. Yes. Wow. So, and there's, <laughs> there's so much there. Um, and I think some of it is really well-intentioned. And I think that when he said this, he probably meant it in a way that, you know, I think he meant all these things in, in positive ways, not, but so much of it reads as kind of a middle finger to certain parts of the fan base. Um, like <laughs> here's what, here's what I wrote in my recap of it, which was, to recap with his statements, number one, the crew sacrifices greatly, which of course is their job. They're doing jobs. Like I don't, <laughs> you know, yes, that's very hard work, but it's also work. They do this just for it's also a job. A lot of people would really like, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Just for 20 people. They don't care about viewers. We're just the quote unquote byproduct. Um, and the only way he cares about viewers is if we're stopping lazy and actually apply to the show um, <laughs> to become one of the 20 people so we can be sacrificed for, in the same way yeah so tell me i mean I, I could elucidate a little bit but just tell tell me a little bit more about what this means to you for the show that that he said this well i think you know one i think the great story of survivor right now is that when jeff almost like you can search on Reality Blurred for these stories. I'm just going to kind of summarize. But um, Jeff almost quit the show around Gabon, Samoa that time and sort of convinced to stay and then got became the showrunner, the person in charge of the whole production. And I think his influence is something that we're especially feeling now and how he's affected it. And I think in many ways, it's great to have a steward who cares about the show. And I think that he does. But you can also look back at the sort of history, like if he became showrunner in the 2009-ish, 2010-ish era, around 2011, he was talking about how Twitter directly impacted 
the show. He was listening to fans. He cast somebody as a returnee for Survivor South Pacific um, just because of something someone said on Twitter. Um, he's In 2012, he was talking about how they make the show just for the audience um, and how he's really concerned about, you know, these are our fans. We want to, we make it for them. And this shift to, we don't make it for the audience anymore. We make it for the people experiencing it. Like, I think it's good to think about how the show is actually produced and how the people on it experience it, but it's a TV show and there's, you know, 10 million of us or so, however many it is now watching. And I kind of wonder if this isn't part of a reaction to some of the fan backlash for the last few seasons and it's like, oh, you're not really the people we care about anymore now that you've sort of turned on us. Not, not that I think Survivor fans haven't turned. Everyone's still coming back. They're just a little bit um, maybe more restlessly annoyed. <laughs> yeah, and like it's more consistently annoyed this in the last couple couple of seasons or a couple of years maybe. So yeah, just like a definite evolution in the way he thinks about the show and how he's presenting it. And if you add in the stuff about um, him wanting to be seen not as a host, but as a storyteller. So not even as a producer, but a quote unquote storyteller. And then add in the way he thinks about the contestants. It's just, it's just like a really, there's so much there. And I don't know if we'll ever be able to figure out exactly how this impacts certain specific decisions in certain specific seasons. But I think we can now all feel the waves of this boat that's, you know, that he's now driving. Yeah, I think I remember reading this interview with Dalton Ross that he did earlier this summer and I, I it was very long so I must have just been kind of kind of moving along through it and uh, like this didn't particularly stand out to me when I read it but the reason that your piece stopped me was because this section of it felt like like you said like a possible explanation for why the show has been such a roller coaster over the last couple of years. Right. And and just from the outside, it, it kind of feels like, you know, with the him almost quitting and becoming showrunner, like a guy who, like you said, loves this, but is almost blinded by his love for it to where he's making a show for such a small bubble that like uh, some of it doesn't even make sense when, when it <laughs> makes it to TV. And yeah, uh, like there's not, like you said, I I don't know how to specifically allocate what that means for different parts of it, but it just feels like he's too, uh, I guess like full of himself for lack of a better word. Yeah, there's there's something there, and it's you know the other thing the piece of this is like of course he's thinking about the show from a viewer's perspective. They're thinking about the arc of the season, right? Yeah, um, and and those kind of things. And they're plotting things out and thinking about casting and all these twists and whatever. But oh, the twists! Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! And like, wait till the twist comes up next spring. If any of these reports are right, I think we're in for a trip or faceplant of a of a season. Um, yeah, it's it just it's so curious, and I'm just really fascinated by it. But I also think that it's like we've kind of found the source of some of the pain that we're feeling. Um, and I'm, I'm worried that it's, if he realized that in the middle of David versus Goliath and so not the past couple of seasons, like how is that going to change? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and maybe, maybe it'll make these seasons better. So maybe we can hold off and be like, Oh, like maybe this season will be totally a revelation, 
even despite its kind of lame casting twist. And that would be wonderful. And maybe this will change the show for the better. So I'm ready for that. But I'm also going to be watching it, thinking about who he's prioritizing here and the fact that he had this revelation while filming this season. Yeah, because I, I kind of read it as like a, it was already a subconscious thing that he was thinking about and right. just kind of verbalized now because cause it, cause like I was saying, it does feel like it explains the last few seasons in some way but yeah that would be frightening if it if it gets worse i I think like i almost feel like i go to survivor just to hopefully be entertained now because i like like i went to university of florida like a big football school and when i went there it was like you know we expect to be national championship contenders like every year we're one of the best programs in the country and and it just slowly deteriorated for for those who don't follow college football to the point where we're just not good now and they just hired a new coach and it's like his job to rebuild this whole thing but the reason i think of that is because of how bad florida has been for so long my expectations are low enough where like certain things are just all i need from it and i feel like survivor is kind of at that level for me now where like i just want to be entertained and be surprised by not necessarily surprised but like unsure of who's going to win when you're kind of in going into the last hour of the season i don't know I, and i would I'm, add for just yeah go ahead no i'd say even for me like i think that's definitely important but just like i just would love a nice arc in each episode um see i, and, yeah, I feel like i i feel like that's never gonna happen <laughs> like I, that I just, so, yeah that's sad that's really sad because it, it seems like it's such a like I, I kind of could can get nerdy about this and I have on the podcast before of like, you know, you're going to give an episode a title like this title, the name of this episode is the storm is coming or something. And like, you can weave a theme through the episode of like, oh, you know, uh, everyone is, you know, uh, taking big risks like the the arc of this episode is or the, like at least the through line is everyone is going to take a bunch of big risks, um, whatever that means for them. And like, I, f- I just feel like they they never edit it that way and it's it's rare to watch an episode and be like oh wow that ending was powerful because of what was woven throughout yeah and i think that's and i think that's in part maybe prioritizing those story beats over just what's happening like survivor is such a strong format i think and that's one of the reasons why it's endured so long just let things happen and I do think it's worth questioning like whether or not all of the stuff that they've injected into the game to try to keep it interesting has actually now had the opposite effect. So the multiple idols, the twists that people are even, you know, all these advantages that people are reluctant to play. I wonder if that's actually kind of like dampening the episode to episode gameplay. And yeah, therefore they're kind of leaning on these like, here's a story about my home life and I'm going to make a specious connection to what's happening right now. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to mock their experience and I'm sure some things are really resonant and really do teach them as cast members. But you can also tell when like a producer is prompting someone to talk about something in order to kind of get a story beat versus something is actually emerging organically and it just doesn't feel organic. You mean it wasn't a coincidence when like every single person last season kept saying they wanted to reverse the curse? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's just like that's that's the kind of yeah. Even that like just stop. Like it's so it just feels so 
um, I don't know, insulting almost to, especially to those of us who've been with the show for so long. And I realize that we're not always the primary audience and that there's, or, you know, we're not the entire audience. I should say, I don't want to like sort of stratify, stratify the audience. We're we're the upper class audience. Yeah. Right. No, but but it it feels like they also just got lazy. Like, I feel like there was a point early in last season where there were three characters. There were three people whose entire character was, I'm a divorced woman or whatever. And it was just like, can't you like give us something else? Like, I feel like they just try to put everyone into a box. And speaking of that, though, like, I really liked Stephanie Johnson from last season because I felt like the interestingness of her as a person came through despite their, you know, worst efforts. And like, I was kind of like, oh, like she's compelling because she can talk to Jacob and pretend she likes him while she's secretly doing this. But but she also kind of does like him. And like, there was like a complexity to her that there usually isn't with any characters in the show recently. And I just uh, would would like more of that, I guess, but they probably won't give it to us. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, like when you just said her name, I literally just Googled to try to remember <laughs> who she was because and like, I'm the sure, only reason I remember is because been, we had we had this conversation of, of before, but uh, but yeah, yeah, I feel like I can remember like Wendell and Michael <laughs> and Dominic. Uh, can I remember anyone else? Like it just, Libby. you know, it just feels Libby. Yes, just, Libby was on our podcast, and, and, La- and Laurel. <laughs> La- like Laurel was a great character, um, but I also don't know if she was well developed into a character. Just like I don't know if. Wendell, you know, was either like, or Michael, who just I would argue they were not nice to Laurel. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. And I, you know, we probably don't have time to even get into this. But like, the show certainly has a problem with valuing men and masculine characteristics and stereotyping its characters. There's no way that doesn't come from Probst. Oh, totally. And you can even like, he's said explicit things that I've like highlighted in stories where he talks about you know, like just our all-stars are men. I don't know why. And it's like, you're the one making the show. You're doing that. Like, it's and, like, and, and, yeah. It's, and it's like, if you pattern. watch an episode, like just the way he reacts to, to challenges where it's just kind of like, look at Michael. Oh my God. Right. And, and then, he, he, he values that the, the yeah. strengths and whatever else <coughs> that hurt my voice. <laughs> um, but, uh, but that being said, like I, as tortured as the themes have been, I'm slightly optimistic about this season because I think the simplest, uh, you could call it cheap, but the, the simplest storytelling trick in the book is to have an underdog and to have a heavy favorite. And I hope that the, like, I, I think about heroes, healers, hustlers, and like, it felt like there was a, some sense of the theme like worming its way into the brains of the people like uh in a slightly deeper way than than like having canned lines where it was like oh you know maybe there is some psychological effect to isolate these people and tell them that they're this certain thing and i feel like my hope is that the davids will be a bunch of scrappy people that are really likable and my what i am praying for is that the goliaths are all asshole villains who are just really entertaining (laughs) yeah and you know i think the thing i that would be a wonderful outcome the thing i fear because we've seen it before is 
this constant attempt attempt to force people into these categories like I am a David for this arbitrary reason that a producer just told me to repeat back. And like, I don't want a season of that or even an episode of that. It's great that they've sort of organized them that way, introduced it that way and just let them play the game instead of trying to like constantly force this message. And, but I also think that that's not the way the show works anymore. So I'm in for a little bit of pain. And I, I don't think they're ever moving again. Uh, I, I think that's the other thing we're not really talking about is like the theme used to just be we're in China, we're in like, I, I, I'm blanking we're, we're in Gabon or whatever. <laughs> and, and now it's just like, well, we're uh, still in Fiji. So yeah. here's another theme. <laughs> and you know, it's um, interesting. Like I'm working on a story right now that I'll post probably over the weekend. So by the time people hear this, it will likely be up on realityblurred.com. Um, but it's, I'm just highlighting some stuff Jeff said in a, in a long and detailed podcast about producing the show. And he points out that like, number one, the reason they're in Fiji, besides the fact that they're sort of um, it's just logistically easier. Uh, Fiji is also giving them a 45% rebate. In other words, cool. that they're getting 45% of the money they spend back. And so it's half the cost of producing it elsewhere, which is amazing. And the other thing is that that's, I thought was, there's so many things that were amazing in this interview, but Probst also said after the host sort of pointed out that locations used to provide the themes and now the show had to provide the themes. Probst said, and I'm just quoting here, I never thought of that. But you're right. It's forced us. We don't have that crutch anymore to show a local tradition. And I don't know if I ever thought of it as a crutch. I always thought of it as an advantage. So it's, again, one of those things where he sees the show so differently than I yeah. do. I feel like every every additional word I hear now, I'm just like, oh, my God. It's all just falling into place more and more of, like, why, it, to my mind, the show is failing. <laughs> like, it, yeah. like, his whole view of it is just not what I like about it. And it, yeah. Let alone the the logistical confusion of having it pop up on your TV and it says it says two names at the same time because the damn tribe's name is David, so it says like Stephen David, like with the words overlaying each other. And I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, this. Well, again, the audience is not the primary audience and or target anymore. So who cares what we see on our screens as long as the people <laughs> had fun? Okay, so we're 37 seasons in, and I guess. We at least have probably 40 coming, right? Because they, there's no way they're not going to just hit that nice round number. Yeah, I think it's easily going to make it to 40. And I mean, it performs so well, and especially the cost you know, that it's so cheap to make right now that I can't see CVS getting rid of it unless Probst decides to bail. But then even then... Well, that's, can, that's my <laughs> other question. Like, if Probst... If and when Probst eventually leaves, like, does the show live on or is that it? Um, you know, I think it's particularly tied to him in some ways, but I also think that it might live on and it would be really interesting to see what would happen with someone else taking over kind of like, it's like Dr. Who, where we need to change the showrunner every couple of years and well, see what our happens. conversation is making me think like, oh man, maybe if he left the show would get better. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, like, and, and maybe like it would, I wonder too, if it's like, all of his team is like obviously thinking the same way he is, or at least doing the stuff that he wants. So I, I wonder yeah. um, how much change you would need, but I'm hopeful it'll change. And the other thing is, I feel like we're in uh, just since we're going negative. Um, the like he doesn't add much anymore, 
and the challenges have not been unique or interesting for like five years for the most part. So like, I just kind of wonder, and we talked about the overabundance of twists. I just kind of wonder, like, I, I don't know. I just like, like, can't we get something? <laughs> yeah. And, and for me, that's something is I just, I want them to try a back to basic season, two tribes, no idols, no twists, play survivor. Yeah, that'll, that'll never happen. Two, ch- two challenges an episode and like, just see what happens. And at least the first time that happens, it will surprise people because they will be expecting idols. They'll be searching for them. They'll be waiting for the faith merge or the twi- tribe swap that'll make us forget everyone's name. But yeah, I think you're probably right that it's not going to happen, but that's that's still my open dream. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm with you. I'm just a little more pessimistic about it, I guess. I, I do <laughs> think like it feels like people have and certainly the show has forgotten that that was what was interesting was the inter you know intertribal dynamics and like backstabbing and strategizing and like it's it's all too simple now you know like that this and and this is a complaint we've lobbied many times on our podcasts of when you are surprised it's often because they just didn't show you the information that you needed it's like, oops, surprise, we didn't plant any seeds for this, but here it is. Right. So, like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm with you, I suppose, that I just wish they would let it play out more. Like, the reference I've made a million times on this podcast of, like, when you're playing, like, a party game, like, Mafia or something, like, that's inherently interesting just because you're in a room with people trying to deceive each other, you know? Like, the advantages and twists have become like cigarettes or something where just each hit is less and less and less effective, but but they're, but they're addicted to them (laughs) for sure. (sighs) Yeah. So I guess you, you, you just kind of said that you still have some hope, but how how would you answer the question of is survivor as I love it or as, as, as a lot of people used to love it, is it dead? I'd say no, simply because we've had a slump before and the show has found its way out of that. So I'm holding out hope. If we have another two or three years, like the last two or three years, then I think it might be time to sort of reevaluate. All right. Well, we'll have to uh, reevaluate after <laughs> yes. David versus Goliath. I know we've we've obviously touched on it several times, but just kind of wrapping it up how do you what are you expecting from this season and and what are your hopes and dreams and fears yeah no i'm just i'm i'm always ready for a new season of survivor i'm ready to see it especially after watching some of big brother over the summer i really hope that we'll have this kind of underdog tribe that surprises us but i also hope that the theme doesn't overwhelm everything else it's especially in terms of the way people talk and the the way the episodes give their focus and i'm hoping for a better edited season than ghost island that's um my my true hope that's our one true hope here on the island yes so stay tuned i believe i'm releasing this either tuesday or wednesday i i I, you'll you'll know if you're listening you'll know exactly what day it is but uh enjoy the season premiere and go Follow Andy on Twitter at RealityBlurred and uh, obviously RealityBlurred.com. And you, you cover it all, right? I do as much as I can and, and also just the stuff that interests me or I think is worth pointing out. So, yeah, we talk about a lot of different kinds of shows. All right. And we are uh, 
at on the island pod across the platforms and whatnot so look for us um thank you for joining andy i I, uh, really appreciate it and uh it was it was definitely it's it's fun talking with someone who has a much more encyclopedic knowledge of it than i do but is uh just as passionate about it well thank you i appreciate the conversation and like i'm i'm glad to always talk to another survivor fan and like let's uh cross our fingers and hope that the show surprises us (laughs) all right well we'll check in later we'll see what happens but uh yeah, enjoy the premiere. 90 minutes, right? And uh, then yep. we'll be off and running for the next good. 13 weeks or so. So thank you for listening. And uh, come back later this week. We'll have our first recap of the season for week one. And Survivor will be rolling merrily along. I'm Taylor Gaines. And next time, Tyler B. Commons will be back. Thank you. And see you next time. Survivor on the island. I'm not good at making these things up. <laughs> <laughs> that is-